live a little, just go with it and just enjoy the ride and don't have this convoluted idea that if you don't do X, Y, and Z, you're not good enough or you didn't make it or you you didn't hit those milestones and just live in it. Hello, sunshine. Thanks for listening to Ignite Your Passion with me, Bonnie Lang. Meet singer and songwriter Dusty Lee. It seems every interview is all about jumping in, and this one is no different. Dusty Lee packed up her life and moved to Tennessee to chase her dreams. You're going to love this interview and hear about her journey, what she does to get re-inspired. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. If you know someone that loves what they're doing, send me a message. I'd love to have them as a guest. Take a listen. It is such a pleasure to have you today, Dusty Lee. That is such a cool name. I absolutely love it. I read that your mother actually came up with that name because she was a big fan of ZZ Top, right? Was. Yeah, the story goes, she would never confirm or deny that I may have been conceived at an outdoor ZZ Top concert. So, (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's my claim to fame right there. So, But always been one of my favorite bands and hers too. So as a kid, I didn't like the name. I ever was like, oh, that's such a boy's name, but... Now I like the fact that it's unique and and I love it. So yeah, it is. It's an awesome name. Do you go by Dusty Lee or just Dusty? I go by Dusty. Well, it depends. Like I I go by both, but most of the time, most people will call me Dusty or Dustin. <laughs> I get that a lot too. So, but usually I go by Dusty Lee. You're like whatever. Just yeah. call me whatever. <laughs> exactly. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us where are you from? So originally I'm from Idaho. I was born and raised. And then right after I turned 18, I married my high school sweetheart and we, he joined the military. So we've lived everywhere from Alaska to Virginia and everywhere in between. So I now call Chattanooga, Tennessee home, but I was born and raised in Idaho. Fantastic. It's so beautiful in that area, Tennessee. I have not been to Idaho yet. So I don't know what that's like. That's on our list. Beautiful. It is. Yep. It is. I like the, it, Chattanooga was, it drew me here because of the mountains and Idaho is known for mountains and lakes and all that. So that's kind of what I loved about the Chattanooga area. There's lots of hiking and fishing and stuff like that. So that's kind of, and I, I love Chattanooga. It's, we've been here, the summer will be two years and I, I, I love it. So I got the big city close enough when I need it, but I'm a small town girl. So I like the, I like the solitude of that. (laughs) Well, thank you for y'all's service. We appreciate. Yeah, that was my husband. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, but it takes you, you, you're supporting him. It's definitely, I think being younger and not knowing what goes into that, you're much more like, oh, this is, and now that I'm older and I think, and I have friends that are getting ready to retire and their kids are joining and I'm like, well, if I knew then what I know now, (laughs) (laughs) there's a reason why you're not wise when you're young. There's a reason. (laughs) Yeah, but they're retiring. Now they can start another career or do something else and still have that. Yeah. I was thankful that we went in when we, we was thankful that he joined when we were, I mean, kids, like we were babies and newly married, had a new baby. And so there was not this expectation, I guess. And so we, I mean, we got to go to some amazing places that we would have never been able to go to without the military. So I'm, I'm always thankful for that. They, they gave us a good foundation and a good start. And being young, I mean, he took an early retirement in 2014 so that I could go back to Idaho and help my sister take care of my dad who was sick. And, mm-hmm. but I mean, now our kids are grown and we're, I'm getting ready to turn 42 next month. And now it's like, now I feel like my life is beginning. <laughs> so, 
It's nice. I feel like I've lived a lot, a lifetime before what I'm doing now. So it's great. I love it. What was one of your favorite places that you traveled to? Oh, Alaska. Alaska. We didn't stay there for very long. We were there just over two years. I mean, it felt a lot longer, but yeah, just serene and beautiful. And oh, I loved it. It was amazing. So I tell people, if you have the opportunity to go and and do it, like go for at least two weeks, it's it's a it's an entirely different world when you get up there. I love it. I miss it every single day. Alaska is amazing. So that's probably ah. in Oregon. I love Oregon. I've always said I wanted to retire in Depot Bay. We lived there for a few years and I would go back in a heartbeat. I love that place. So overall, we lived in some really great places. We lived in some really not so great places, but some of the best people of my life that are now family came from those places. Mm-hmm. So I can't really negatively say anything about them either because otherwise I wouldn't have the, the people in my life. So oh, I love it. I'm going to reach out to you when we finally decide to go to Alaska. Do I will give you the scoop. I would love that. <laughs> Tell us what you're doing now. You are a, you're a songwriter, singer. A little bit. Yeah. After being military and, and traveling around and my husband being deployed and stuff, I still sang on some level, but it was never on a, on a real larger scale professionally, kind of what I'm doing now, which was fine. But as soon as my kids kind of were grown and graduating high school, my husband was like, okay, no more excuses. Like we're doing this. We're jumping in. I signed with EMG in 2019 and, and our youngest, well, we made the decision probably right between 2018, 2019. I knew that I didn't want to stay in Idaho for forever. I mean, I love it there, but Music wise, band, and there's not a lot happening in Idaho for for musicians. So we kind of made the decision to kind of look at other places, and then I signed with EMG, and so we started looking at. I love Tennessee. We used to vacation here when we were stationed in North Carolina, so I I knew kind of what this side of Tennessee looked like, and I didn't want to live in Atlanta, and I didn't want to live in Nashville. A little too big for me. So when I started researching like the Chattanooga area, it just checked all the boxes. It was like okay. Do they get tornadoes very often? Okay, no. Okay, check. Did that snake? Okay, check. So it was like just all the little check marks. Um, and then, yeah, we just are <laughs> literally our daughter graduated. We sold our house on a Wednesday. She graduated Thursday. We left for the coast on vacation Friday. And then we left Idaho on a Monday and headed here. So <laughs> oh my we did God. everything very quickly. <laughs> wow. Talking about making a decision and just jumping in. Wow. We did. We That's did. awesome. I think being military, the spontaneity has never left us. <laughs> So what what ignited your passion for singing? I, I sang a lot when I was younger. Like I think most kids do, they don't really, they, that's something that I think all kids kind of tend to do. But I went to a Reba McIntyre concert when I was 10 with my mom. And that basically was like, wow. Okay. That's what I'm granted. I had horrible debilitating stage fright. I mean, I still do sometimes, but I also found peanut butter whiskey and that helps. (laughs) <laughs> but it was, it was really seeing her perform. Like she was such, and it was when she was opening for Brooks and Dunn and she was such a storyteller and just watching the crowd, like how captivated they were and just the way she delivered her songs. And there was like this woman next to me crying. And I was just like, what is that? that was a lot for a 10 year old to take in. But I've been singing at that point, like in school plays and stuff like that. But it really wasn't until, I mean, that really is what I was like, okay. I want to be a singer, but I was still so ridden with stage fright. 
<laughs> and so it wasn't until the following summer, we had a fair in our, in our hometown and there was like a karaoke booth. It was kind of when karaoke was like getting started. And I sang, I sang a Madonna song <laughs> and the guy was like, you know, my mom was like, she's great. Never sing another one. And so I sang a share song. <laughs> so, and that's kind of what's, what kicked it off for me. I realized that I was very stage fright debilitated, but it was also this, okay, I think I can do this. I'm pretty good at this. So that's kind of what started it. That's amazing. Do you remember what song it was of Madonna's? Material Girl. And I was going to ask if it was that. Of course. I mean, I had that whole, her, her collection blue album. I had that whole, I mean, I could sing every word of every song. <laughs> I loved it. And then my mom was a huge Cher fan. And to this day, uh, Heart of Stone is one of my very favorite albums. And she had me sing If I Could Turn Back Time. And oh my so every time it comes on the radio, I actually have the original tape. Yes. It was like tucked away and all of these things. And right before we moved to Tennessee, we were doing this big purge and I found it. I had to order a tape cassette from Amazon because my kids are like, what is that? And I was like, this is the very, very first recording that I have ever, ever in my life made. And they listen to it and they're like, mom. <laughs> but that's so cool. I love it. Yeah, I still have it to this day. I'm going to keep that forever. Then and versus now, it's hilarious. I love it. Beautiful. So how do you plan your year? Do you like set goals or do you have some... In a, in a roundabout way, I mean, I feel like I kind of got started professionally a little late to the game. Well, what what Nashville deems is late. I feel like I've just hit my prime at this age. And I, I kind of, I hold on to that because Katie Olsen is one of my biggest influencers and I loved her. And she had her first hit her first number one hit at 40. And so, so I, I, I feel like some of the industry standards kind of, they downplay the abilities of people in the, in their prime. I don't feel like 40 is old and, and I love it. So I do plan my, my year around goals, but it's more so the goals that I want to accomplish and the legacy that I leave behind. So I'm not really hyped on, Oh, I need to win a Grammy by this age, or I need to, I'm a very realistic person. So for me, it's more things that I can check off my own aspirations. Like, okay, I completed my first album and I'm working on my second. And I thought I'd have my second one done by now, but I've learned over the process that I'm a little more picky and I keep either writing or finding good songs. And so my album, my husband's like, okay, we, babe, we got to have a cutoff date. This album's got like 30 songs on. (laughs) So it's more goals that are personal to me, things that I can check off, people that I can collaborate with, songwriting. Those are those are more of my goals. And, and also places that I want to play. I'm still holding out for Red Rocks. I, I want to play Red Rocks oh. before I die. Like my, I'll my open venue. for you. <laughs> yes, that would be awesome. I love Red Rocks. It's one of my favorite venues. So I'm like, one day, one day, that's my hope. So those are that's kind of how I, I plan my year is basically attributing to those things. That's a great way. I mean, you're planning realistic goals, things that are achievable. I mean, and who, of course, yes, you want to have a stage like George Strait. Oh, for sure. For sure. That's all in the back of our mind, but just taking some small steps and just doing things that are realistic. They make you feel good when you can, when you accomplish them. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Tell us about this new song that you just released. The hell I won't. (laughs) So it was a song that I've had the idea for for 
a long time, honestly. I'm really new to songwriting. It's not something I don't play an instrument. I play the tambourine, and you can't really write a song to a tambourine. So I have like I ideas. bet you can. I mean, I could try. I mean, I can't <laughs> rhythm, so I don't know, but <laughs> but it's I have good song ideas. Like I know things that come to mind that I want to write about, but I I struggle with the process of how to get it down. I struggle with the melody because again, I don't play an instrument. So Ballet I Want was a song that I had a bunch of ideas and, and half lines and half courses written, gosh, like six years or so now. Oh, and wow. so I told my husband when we, when we got to Chattanooga, I said, one of my goals was I really want to write my own songs. Like I really want to come up with these songs that are my ideas and see who I can collaborate to kind of bring these into fruition. And we, I got hooked up with Craig Wilson and Mary Cutter out of Nashville and two phenomenal, phenomenal writers. Mary's also an artist and she's phenomenal. If you haven't checked her out, she's amazing. And I love her. And so, yeah, we, my husband, he, he connected with them and we set up a songwriting session and I went to Nashville and I met with Craig in person and Mary, she was on zoom and I gave them these ideas for these songs that I wanted to write. And I said, you know, one of my goals was to write a song that was passionate to me. And it was basically my life as a whole. Like I gave them this whole sob story. I lost my mom to suicide when I was 15. And I was kind of on the path of music then. I had been in talks with BMI and and then I lost my mom. And so it kind of derailed things. But then it was just kind of that that anthem. Like it literally is my anthem. And I, as soon as I got done writing the song, we walked outside and on the side of the building that we were in, had a big mural that says my anthem. And I just started sobbing. I was like, it's a song. Oh I was so God. excited. So it was just kind of that, like the fire, literally anybody that has told me I would never make it. All of the people that have said ugly, hateful, negative things about me, or that I wasn't good enough or just everything. It was literally yeah. the fuel to my fire. It was like, watch me. Cause the hell I won't. And so the song came to fruition in like an hour and I was so grateful. I was like, you guys are geniuses. This stuff has been rattling around in my head for six years and you took it and put a melody to it. Now it's a song. I was like, oh my gosh. So when I brought it back to my band when we got here and they we put a live track to it and I kind of gave them my ideas of how I just want this song to come about. And it, it literally, what has come of this song was beyond my wildest imagination. It really is a song that I am so proud of and I love it and I'm going to get all teary and it's just it's the one it's the one that defines me if anybody has ever met me and they know me in real life and they know the struggles I've been through this is my song this is my anthem so beautiful beautiful oh my gosh I love it you're in your voice in it too it's like you can feel it you can feel your emotions in the song and in the end girlfriend you just are belting it (laughs) (laughs) that note I will say came from because I'm a little bit shy in that sense but my acoustic guitar player Drew Plowman another artist out of Bristol Tennessee just a great guy he was one of the first people that we got hooked up with when we came here I love him he's like the brother I never had and I, I love him but he was like, I just want to see, just to hit this note. Just see if you can hit this note. And I was like, I cannot hit that note. He's like, just do it. So we were at practice and I was trying to do it. And he's like, would you put your back into it? He's like, just do it. And I hit that note. And then when we got done, he was like, there, there you go. And in all honesty, when we started playing it live, I, again, <laughs> Butter Whiskey is my friend. I always get nervous debuting a new song. And especially one that I have to hit this note. It's like, oh, and so he was so great when the first time we were on stage and he's looking at me because he knows it's coming up and I'm looking at him and I wasn't 
looking at me. <laughs> so I hit that note and it was just, it was great. But he, yeah, he, he keeps me humble on stage for sure. <laughs> well, and the thing too, is that sometimes it's different on stage. But I mean, you've played this song you in, at home or in the studio. But when you play it out live, it sounds a little different. It does. It feels it a does. little different. <clears throat> and yeah. when we played it, I went on tour back in Idaho last year. I did the Hell I Won't Tour. And I toured all the, the venues that were so good to me when I lived there. And we played four shows. It was like 12 days. It was amazing. Exhausting, but amazing. And that was the first place that we played that song. And then when we came back to Chattanooga, there's a venue that we love to play at called Whiskey Cowgirls. And the last show that we played there was December 9th. And people in the crowd were singing the song back to me. And I had this moment of like total disbelief. Of course, I get all teary. And Drew on stage goes, there's no crying in rock and roll. (laughs) (laughs) Just know that it connected with people. And I mean, girls, boys, there was the guy in the front that was, I mean, just screaming the hell I won't at me. And I was like, oh my God, that's the, like, that is so rewarding for me. (laughs) Oh my God, that is. That is the best feeling. It That's is. incredible. And your husband, now he does this with you too. He does. Yep. He, when we lived in Idaho, well, and when we had our band in North Carolina, he was in the band. Like he played harmonica, he played acoustic guitar, and he sings a bunch of our older country songs. He sounds just like Johnny Cash when he starts singing. It's wild <laughs> to be in the crowd and he starts singing and everybody loses it. It's great. But when we moved here, he he's like, I want to take a step back from being a, a person in the band because I, we need to handle, I need to be able to spend more time doing the manager side of things. Um, and that's kind of what he did. He didn't want to be on stage at all. And I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. So uh, I was like, I'm not going to gatekeep that because he's just, it's great to hear. And it gives me a break too. I mean, my set is really diverse and I do a lot of really hard songs. And so I need some, I need some breaks in between some of those. So it's great to have him on stage, but, and he plays harmonica for me on a bunch of the songs that we do. So he still gets pulled up on stage, whether he wants to or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. it. That I think that's really important to have support from your spouse. Oh, for sure. It would be, I can't imagine doing this without that. Like, I, I mean, I really, I, I don't see how it would be accomplished. And I have to say, I mean, I have the drive and I have the will, but he is literally the locomotive in this train that keeps it rolling. I mean, I have days, of course, where I doubt myself and I'm like, God, am I too old? Am I too tired? Do I have the, the inspiration to do this? And he's always that like driving force behind me. So even if I wanted to give up, I don't think that that way he'd be like the hell you will. <laughs> <laughs> do you think, well, there's also something in you though, too, that how do you get out of that when you do start doubting yourself? Is it him that helps or you think you, I mean, definitely. I I feel like he doesn't let me wallow for long. I mean, I got really sick last April and I had my first upper respiratory infection and I didn't have a voice. I mean, I couldn't even make dust with my voice for 36 days. It was terrifying. Oh, I was on some major meds and I mean, it took really up until like December before my vote, like my vocals came back strong, like normal, I would say. And I was terrified. I was really like, oh my gosh, like this has caused so much damage. And I had a few low moments where I didn't think that I was going to be able to be at my best. And I'm a horrible perfectionist. I am my own worst critic. And if I can't perform at a hundred percent, my anxiety goes through the roof. And so when I have those moments, I'm, I'm literally, I mean, I say this in almost every interview, 
I hit the jackpot with the band that I have. My guys, and I have one gal, it's my first girl player. She plays my keys. Her name is Glenda, and I love her. She joined our band a few months ago. And, but I, they are so supportive and they understand how it works. They understand what the drive and what we're doing and the purpose and all of that. And I mean, it's like having a, a, a band full of a bunch of dads that just love you. I mean, they're wonderful. And so anytime I do have those low moments, they're always there to reassure me that it's fine. And then we'll have like a really good show. And I'm like, okay, okay, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> what I needed. It's it's just a moment that reassures you that you're doing good, that you're, yeah. that you're making an impact. And that sometimes that, sometimes it's, if you're not at the top of mind, it you're, you're at the bottom. And so sometimes that, that constant need to be going and going, it sometimes gets a little exhausting. So, but. So I wonder how do you keep your band? I mean, together, I mean, it's hard. Well, how do you find your band? Because I know some musicians here, Texas music artists that are huge in this, in, in Texas. And one, I can't remember what his age is, Gary P. Nunn. And Uh he's been performing for so many years, but it's always a constant evolving kind of situation with band members. I've been really lucky in the sense of when I started. Yeah. When I started my, the band in North Carolina, well, I didn't start the band in North Carolina. My husband did because he's sneaky. He told me we're, we were going to look at puppies and we get to this house and we go in and there's these guys that I knew because they were military and that he was like, this is your band. I was like, what? But I got lucky because they were all so dedicated. And then we, some of us retired and some of us moved and so on. And then when we got to Idaho, we found after about six months, I decided I really wanted to put the band back together. And so I begged my bass player, Joel, and my drummer, Rick, to join us. One lived in Virginia, one lived in Ohio. I begged them and they did. They uprooted and they moved over to Idaho. And then we found a guitar player and we started playing and it was great. I think Idaho was the first time where I had some some changing of guitar players. I don't think that they were ready for the drive that the rest of us had. Like we were playing so, and and we all had full-time jobs. I mean, we all still, I was working like two jobs. And so I, I think it was a little much for them, but then we found, his name's Roger Kennedy. He has played for years. I mean, just a phenomenal, phenomenal guitar player. And he was awesome. And so as soon as we found him, I got lucky because everybody was dedicated. They yeah. didn't play with anybody else. They just played in my band. And I like that because I don't have to try to schedule things around that. When we moved to Chattanooga, the music scene was different. It was like session players, musicians, which is not something that I was familiar with. And I was a little bit worried about that just because, again, the scheduling of everybody's stuff and making sure everybody's available. But the the guys that I have now, they are all in. They are the they are so dedicated to to this band and this we call it the band family. I never have to worry about any of that with them. And I'm I do not take that for granted in any way, shape, or form. It's I mean, I, if I say, hey, we're gonna play this day, they're like, cool, we're in. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> so there's always like, that. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the hardest part. Anybody as a musician knows, like the scheduling of things. Is the bane of everybody's existence. How often do y'all play? We play nearly every weekend. I took half of December and I took the month of January off just because I needed to recoup with my vocals and I wanted to make sure that I wasn't causing permanent damage. So doctor's appointments and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but usually in February, like we've got a few shows in February, but anywhere between March to December, I mean, we are 
packed. We are playing three, four shows a month. Because again, we all have full-time jobs, but we're also touring around to a lot of the outlining areas within a, a day's drive or so. Yeah. And so we stay, we stay busy. It's, it's a lot. The have bags you, of my eyes tell me every day. <laughs> have you ever played out at the Kicks Brooks Winery? No, not yet. Actually, somebody was asking us about that at one of our shows and I didn't know anything about it. And so we had researched it and put it on one of our lists of venues to reach out to and play. So Hopefully we'll hopefully we'll tackle that venue soon because I it looks amazing. Looks it's like gorgeous. We went out there. We were in Tennessee last year in August, and we just went out there to have some glasses of wine. Yeah, the scenery is just breathtaking. It's yeah. so gorgeous. But then yeah, you're seeing, yeah, it's it's so amazing, and it just the air. I mean, <laughs> it was. Right? It was like, should I move here? Should I move here? That's my, that's, that's my that question. Happened. I might go that somewhere. <laughs> that happened after we left. <laughs> nope, I believe it. That's a really big music scene here too. So I know it's quite a distance though, but if you ever get the opportunity. Where are you located? Texas, San Antonio. Okay. Yeah. So my best friend lives in McKinney. And so I actually okay. go to Texas quite a bit. We have actually talked about doing a Texas circuit run this spring. And so we've kind of been in works to think about that. So if we come your way, I'll definitely look you up. Let me know. Yeah. And maybe we can make something happen. Heck yeah. That would be great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We love to. So then yours, would you say your genre is country? I would say mostly. Yes. I mean, on the outside, like I'm a rocker through and through. I mean, I grew up with Pat Benatar and Stevie oh. and Fleetwood Mac. And I mean, I got lucky. Both of my parents were eclectic music lovers. I mean, everything from George Jones to Metallica to Frank Sinatra. I mean, my dad even liked some opera. So I grew up listening literally to everything. Wow. Um, my doesn't matter what I sing. I still have this country train, which is which is really weird because I grew up in Idaho, but living in North Carolina. Apparently, I've adopted this accent, and my family reminds me of it all the time. But when I'm on stage, I mean, even some of the covers that I do, I tend to gravitate towards more rock. Like I do a Pat Benatar song. I do it. I do a couple Stevie Nicks songs because she's her and Dolly are my my faves. Yes. Um, Tina Turner. So I've just I've never put myself in a box. When people yeah. ask, me, "Well, are you country?" I'm like, "Well, define country. More like light your stuff on fire, country. I'm not more that whole like stand by your man kind of country." <laughs> <laughs> a little more specific. I'm like, I like to have a good time and I like to have a good time on stage. So I would say country rockish. <laughs> I love it. So then you've released several songs. Mm -hmm. What are your, what is your favorite song from your releases? I always struggle with this question. And I, and I think it's because when I was young, my dad told me when he was, when he was talking about music and he was like, you've got to make them feel it. Like you you, it has to be believable. They are not, if you, if you don't believe in the song, you can't make your audience believe in the song. And that really is what goes into my songwriting. It's what goes into my song selection. Pardon the noise. I have bread baking in the back. And so my daughter's coming in to shut off the beaver. Yummy. <laughs> but I, so a lot of the songs that I pick are not willy nilly. Like they're, they're really songs that spoke to me for some reason or another, or they're songs that I've written for some reason or another. But I say all that to say, the Hell I Won't is probably the one song that is my favorite so far. It's a song that I wrote. It was my idea. I had amazing help that didn't try to change it. They they took what I what the ideas that I had and they really just made it what it is. But 99 Halos was my very, very first single. 
And it was written with my good friend, Dave Nudo out of Idaho. And it's about my dad. It was, we wrote it like right after my dad passed away in 2016. And of course my dad, he, he was my stepdad, but we, I never called him my, my stepdad. He was the best thing I've ever lucked into. And, mm-hmm. and so it was, he wrote most of that song and I had some input, but that song for me when I'm on stage is anybody that's lost somebody can gravitate to that song. And so it's just, it's powerful and it means something. So those are probably my two favorites. Oh, that's so beautiful. I know one of them, I was trying to remember the name of it. I think you got like 80,000, 80,000 listens. Love you like you're leaving. Maybe. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. That song was pitched to me. Ava page who she's, she might be 18 now or just getting ready to turn 18. She lives in I've heard of her. Oh, she's wonderful. I absolutely adore her. The first time I ever heard of her was at the Josie Awards a few years ago when she sang a, how, a song about her papa called House on the Hill. And I found her on YouTube, actually, and I just fell in love with her. But her and Corey Lee Barker and Terry Wayne and Kelly Johnson were all writers of this song. And I was actually laying in bed one night. It was like 11 o'clock my time. And they had just written that song that day. And they had put it on Facebook and I immediately fell in. So I'm texting my producer at like midnight his time. And I'm like, there's this song and I need it. I don't know if they're going to let people record it, but I have to figure out how to get my hands on this song. And he called and he's like, it's funny you say that they pitched it to me for you. And I felt like it was fate. And so I immediately got to work on it. They sent it to Nashville to be, to be charted. And I went into the studio and sang that song and I won an award for it. And yeah, that song, that was the first song that was ever played on the radio. And yeah, what a moment. What, I mean, I was hysterical the entire day (laughs) when I heard it. So yeah, that song was that. And that's honestly, I, I hesitate with my slower songs because when you're at a, you're at a venue and you're, you're upbeat, nobody wants to hear the song that makes you want to drive off. Right. That's probably the one song that we get the most requests for. If I don't put it into a set, Almost every single time somebody has come to me and they're like, oh, are you going to do that one song, the one that was on the radio? And I'm like, oh, that makes me feel so good. So yeah, I, I do. That's that's probably at my top three for sure. Oh, that's incredible. So where do you get your songs then? Do you have a library you go to or you... So I get some through my label. They he gets Chaz Childers is my producer and he gets pitches all of the time. So we go through those. I have some songwriters that reach out to me directly that have pitched songs and and then of course I write some. So it's kind of a an eclectic array of how I get them. People I love the fact that you're either a born songwriter or you're not. I'm the latter. I am not. So I feel like I I'm fortunate that I have these songwriters that have either heard me or heard other songs and then they pitch to me because some of their songs are amazing. I'm like, man, I wish I'd have written that one. Oh, that would be so good. So I'm lucky and I'm fortunate in the fact that I do have some that are pitched to me. And that's it makes my job a little easier. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. And I think, do you feel that it helps being closer to Nashville? For sure. The scene here, I, it's there's just so much talent here. I mean, it's wild. Whether you're a musician or you're a songwriter or you're a singer, it's just it's so much easier to be creative and to be inspired when you're, when you're just thrown to the wolves with all of these other people. It makes, it's humbling. It's very humbling. It's not hard to be a big star in a small town, but it's, it's nice to have that, the people that you can lean on that have good ideas and they come from all sorts of backgrounds and walks of life and they play instruments. I mean, I met a a guy 
not too long ago that plays like 15 instruments. I can't even master the tambourine. (laughs) It's wild to me, but though I do, I do think that it's easier for sure. What do you find most rewarding about this path? Honestly, I think there's probably people singing your songs back to you. I think that's phenomenal. I really, when we go to shows or people come to our shows and they're like, oh, I saw you on so-and-so or somebody told me about you and I just, I had to come see you. That's always rewarding. I mean, I think, I think for me, when my kids go, mom, that's a winner. Like that's a good song. That makes me, your kids are always honest. Yes. Yes. <laughs> or bad, they're always going to be honest. So when they say that they like it or that good job, that always, that always resonates pretty deeply with me. But I think being recognized, like a lot of people don't see the behind the scenes hard work that goes into living this dream. They think that it's glamorous and that you, you must make lots of money. And, and it's, it, you're like, you're one step away from homelessness and you look tired and exhausted. Yes. So <laughs> what you love. So there's a lot of behind the scenes that people don't understand. And so when you, I, I love being a part of the independent award shows because they get it, they know, and they recognize the efforts of starting at the bottom and trying to make it to the top, wherever the top might be. And so when you get recognized for that stuff, it's, it just makes you go, okay, it's worth it. I can keep going because it's, it's my efforts are paying off. At least that's how I feel about it. But yeah, definitely. So how do you manage family time? Luckily, both my husband and I work from home. We, our kids are grown. They, they live in North Carolina. My youngest daughter actually um, just moved to the Tennessee area. So she's okay. here now, but luckily again, my husband does 99% of everything. I show up and I sing. That's basically what I feel like. <laughs> so, the majority of everything. He is my booker. He is my manager. He is my, he just, he does it all. And I, I'm so appreciative of that because I do work a full-time job. I, I actually had two full-time jobs and I had some side stuff and I finally was like, okay, I've worked so much since I was a kid. That's just how I am. That's my work ethic. Having one job feels weird because I'm like, what do I do with all this spare time? But being able to work from home and have that ability to collaborate together. I mean, literally my husband and I sit in the same office together. And so we're working and he's like, by the way, you have a podcast or a radio interview at this time. And I'm like, okay, writing it down. It's great. Everybody should have a husband like I have because he does everything. And so that helps. That makes it yeah, easier. So luckily, thank goodness. But without him, I would, he's been gone for the week back to back in Idaho for work. And I'm like, are you coming home soon? <laughs> I can't handle it when you're gone. <laughs> it's chaotic. Like I see all the things that he does and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need you to come home. <laughs> What's been the most challenging for you in this journey? I would say there's a lot of little things. It's when you don't have a, a promotion or a booking company and you're you're contacting these people, it's the constant contacting. You want to play all these places, but it's waiting for them to answer you. It's waiting for them to, to give you dates. It's also playing these venues and being paid what you're worth. I feel like musicians are the most right up there with teachers and servers, the underpaid. It's like you, they, they, they say, well, I want you to come. So you drive in eight hours. You got to set up before noon so that you don't disrupt the lunch or dinner crowd. And then they're like, and we want you to play for three hours and then we'll pay you 300 bucks. And I'm like, I don't even put on real pants for (laughs) that's nuts. So I think that was probably learning the actual backhand of how things work and realizing quickly. I mean, I knew it was never glamorous because otherwise everybody would do it. But I think that was the most challenging for me to be like, I'm not going to ask my guys 
and gals to do this, to live this dream with me and them not be paid for what they're worth. Like I just, I can't, every fiber of my being says no. And so that's probably been the most challenging and learning to say no, like learning to say, I'm not going to come perform for four hours in a smoky bar because that means for the next two weeks that I'm useless because I don't have anything left to give and not feeling guilty about that. I'm a people pleaser through and through to my core. And I'm always so appreciative when people are like, oh, we want you to come play and happening to be like, is this going to be for the greater good? Am I going to have to sacrifice Yeah, because of that? So that's been hard for me. That's been really, really hard for me. (laughs) I still struggle with that. The word that sometimes I hear is exposure. Mm. You learn very quickly that exposure really doesn't. (laughs) We've had a few of those. Well, think of the exposure. Exposure doesn't put food on the table and gas in the car. (laughs) Exactly. I don't really care about your exposure. (laughs) And now listen, (laughs) if if it was the Opry or the Ryman or Red Rocks. Yes. I got your exposure. I'm with you. Yes. (laughs) There's very few places where exposure is like, okay, I'll do it. That's fine. I love it. That works for me. But very few and far between. (laughs) If listeners had a dream and they're either chasing it and they're facing challenges or they haven't even started, what would be some advice that you would give them? Be realistic and understand that when they say that everybody's out to get your money, they are. And everybody is a dime a dozen. And it really doesn't boil down to talent. It boils down to money. And you have to be realistic with yourself and true to who you are because you can sell yourself to the devil in a hot minute, but it doesn't mean that you've made it. It doesn't mean that it's lasting. It doesn't mean that all of your dreams are going to come true. You have to put in the work. And when people say the grind, it is. And the grind takes forever. Like even when you, I mean, I'm, I, I think about how long I've been doing this and I'm like, what, all right, I've been hustling and I've been grinding and like, when, when is that reachable moment? But you can't give up if it's actually what you want to do. If there's a will, there's a way. And if you want to, you will, but you have to have those real honest talks with yourself and realize that those are the things that are going to drive you. And they are the things that are going to end you. So you got to pick your battles and, and stay true to yourself. At least that's what I tell myself. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And celebrate the the small things that you do yeah. accomplish. I have to, I started keeping a journal a few years ago just because there's these, like you said, the small wins and you never want to forget those moments. And I say it a lot on my Facebook page when I share things. I know that people probably get sick of hearing me say how appreciative I am or how grateful I am. But for me, it's when I'm 80, I want to look back at these moments and go, damn, I actually, I did that. I said I would, and I did. And I don't ever want to forget what that feels like. And so I have, I started keeping a journal of even the simplest things. Like when somebody's like, oh, I played your songs on whatever. I'm like, yeah. So I write it down. I just, I love looking back at all of those accomplishments because it continues to drive you in those moments when you're like, man, I haven't done anything. I'm not making it. I'm not doing nothing. And then you read it and you're like, okay, actually, actually, realistically I am. So I, I do like that. That's a great idea. I love it. Just to so start much of it unnoticed. Like you forget some, like I had some Facebook memories that came up the other day and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Some of the little wins, but they're, they're the ones that are impacting. I feel like they're the ones that from the beginnings, I, I would say it's the humble beginnings that you come from that drive you to the bigger things. So. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And prepare you. Yeah. 
For sure. So what would you tell yourself if you could look back at your younger self? Oh, <laughs> so, so how much time do we got? <laughs> oh, so much, so much. I mean, I, I would say, honestly, the one thing would be to stop doubting myself. I, again, I am my own worst critic and I cannot tell you the number of times that I have tried to hold myself back because, well, I don't sing like her or well, I don't sing like him or well, I don't have songs like them or I don't that's probably the one thing that I would tell myself, just do it. Like stop trying to have a plan. I'm a, I'm a type a, I am such a type a and just live a little, just go with it and just enjoy the ride. And don't have this convoluted idea that if you don't do X, Y, and Z, you're not good enough or you didn't make it, or you you didn't hit those milestones and just live in it. My Dave Nudo has a song called live in it. And it is about life. It's living it. And that's the first time I heard that song, I was like, Oh my God. And that's what I've tried to remember is just, it's the life that you're building is the life that you want and you have to go after it. And you have to do the things that are going to bring you to the points that, that you want to be in and you just have to live in it. So that's cliche, but it's true. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I totally, I totally agree. So beautiful. You're such a beautiful person. I just love it. You're (laughs) just so sincere. And I don't know. I felt I was working today and I looked at the clock and I was like, all right. Well, we're, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're looking like. So, <laughs> okay. So I have to confess, I've got my workout clothes on. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. Looks great. Nothing that a jean jacket can't fix. <laughs> exactly. I love that. So was there anything else I left out? And then I want you to share with us where listeners can find your music and find you. I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't think, I think we covered pretty much the gist of it. I think I I appreciate you. The questions you asked were amazing. And that's one thing that I'm always super appreciative of when people are like, I want to do an interview. And I'm like, okay, but how much time do you got? Because I want, I want people to know the real me, like what you see is what you get. I am as black and white. I am an open book. And I like people to understand I am who I am. And I do what I do because of the life that I've had. It's not been easy. It's not been glamorous, but it is what drives me. And so I like doing interviews where people get to know who I am, that I, I'm appreciative for that kind of stuff, because I'm definitely not fluff and rainbows and all, and all of that. So like, I'm not, that's not me. So I, I love <laughs> so thank you for the questions that you've asked, because they are there. It gives people an insight of how I actually am. Thank you. And thank now you can find me. I'm on dustyleehouston.com. That's my website. I'm on Instagram, I am the Dusty Lee. There's another artist named Dusty Lee. And so we kind of get mixed up. He's a guy. I'm a girl, obviously. But no, I had to I had to change. That's why I had to add Houston to my stuff so that that way we could uh, keep our stuff straight on Spotify and Apple. So on Instagram, I'm the Dusty Lee. It's Dusty Lee Houston on Facebook. I'm on Spotify, Apple, Amazon. I'm everywhere. So if they go to your website, they'll find mm-hmm. the links to everything. Yep. Right? Everything is everything is linked on my website. I'll keep, I'll put a link in the show notes where they can actually go directly to your website and find you. That works. I appreciate that. That makes it easy. Well, thank you so much. And so yes, when you are in this area, let me know. I'd love to, I'd love to see a show and maybe we can collaborate or do something. Yeah, absolutely. I would love that. That would be great. Yeah. We're always looking for people to, we go places. We're like, oh, you remember so-and-so let's hit them up and see if they want to come do a show with us. I love that. That'd be great. I'll definitely do that. Well, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure having you. Send me a message. Tell me what you thought of this interview. 
You know, I think it's really cool what she's doing, writing down her successes. I think we should try it. Write down our successes in a journal or on our phone. And then when we don't feel like we're getting where we want to be in our journey, defer back to those successes to remind ourselves of how we are really rocking it. If you'd like to connect with Dusty Lee, see the link in the show notes and be sure to check out her new music. If you have a topic you'd like me to talk about or someone you'd like me to interview, send me a message at bonnie at bonnielang.com. There are so many incredible episodes. Share with me your favorite. And please help share this podcast. I would love to get this inspiration out into the world. I'm really grateful for you. I've also created a special intimate space for positivity. I'd love you to be part of. Visit bonnielang.com ignite to become a member of it. I hope you have a wonderful day. Sending you peace, love, happiness, and hugs. And don't forget to subscribe.